What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Today on What Got You There we are joined by Greg Vetter Greg is the CEO of Tessie Mays All Natural Salad Dressings Tessie Mays is the number 1 organic salad dressing in the US Greg welcome to What Got You There how you doing today I am doing amazing. It is a wonderful day. Amazing. I love the positivity right there. Always positive, man. That's for sure. So, Greg, for my listeners who are not familiar with you, uh, you want to give a little background on yourself? Yeah. So, um, I am the oldest of uh, three boys. Uh, My two younger brothers are also in the business. Uh, We grew up being wild boys, as uh, three brothers would be. We played a bunch of different sports. Uh, We ended up choosing lacrosse as our uh, sport of preference. We played in college. We played professionally. uh, And then we were searching for that competitive spirit and fire in the business world. Uh, And we we didn't really find what we were looking for. So then we ended up uh, starting a business together, which uh, is Tessie Mays uh, All Natural, which is an organic salad dressing condiment and uh, fresh food company. No, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to jumping into Tessie Mays, uh, the story and, and your path with that. Uh, and then you mentioned your brothers, Brian and Matt. I've read somewhere that you claim to be the strongest, best looking of the brothers. Is this true? That is absolutely true. <laughs> okay. And I think, every, I think everybody will verify that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. So we, before we dive into the journey, um, how'd you start your day? So my day starts at 3.45 in the morning. I then have coffee already made. Uh, I make it the night before. I put it in a 24-hour thermos. I then go into my office and I uh, write for about 35 minutes, just about whatever is currently in my my head. So it's not so much journaling. It's more just uh, a massive download onto paper. I then uh, meditate for about 15 minutes. Uh, I confirm my to-do list for the day, and then I depart for the gym. And so I usually arrive at the gym about 5 or 5.15, depending on what I'm doing that day. Uh, I work out until, you know, 6.30, 6.45, depending on my workout. Uh, and then I'm usually sitting in my office by 7 or 7.15, and then uh, the, official, the official day begins. And so, you know, I, I look at the morning as a way to just kind of have that peace and that silence, but then also uh, prepare for everything that's coming my way. And then also just to get an advantage on the day, because if I can wake up before everybody else, and I can uh, hit the ground running when most others are just uh, rubbing, the, rubbing the sand out of their eyes, then <laughs> I'm going to have a more productive day than them. No, I mean, I, I'm the exact same way, even in, in time frame of when we're getting up and then what our morning looks like. So how long have you had a routine similar to that? The routine has grown and evolved over time. Uh, I would say with each one of my children, the routine has become a little bit more advanced and focused. 
I have four, I have four kids. And so, uh, that makes that morning time that much more precious. And so I've been doing this for, uh, I mean, as long as I can remember, I think I started waking up, you know, at 4am or a little before when I initially got drafted by the Long Island Lizards. And that was the only time that I could uh, hit the gym working a full-time job. And so then it just kind of became habit. And then, you know, here, here, here we are years and years and years later. No, setting yourself up for success early. So I love that. So, I mean, I want to go back to 2009. Can you share the story of how Tessie Mays all started? Yes. So I realized, luckily, at a young age that I did not want to live a, a traditional life, I guess you could say. And so I was lucky enough to have a relatively good job where I made uh, a good amount of money at a at a good age. And so that it gave me the experience of what that felt like. And I realized that uh, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And so when you realize that, you know, money does not give you what you thought it was going to be, uh, you then start searching for what's missing. And so every day for lunch, I would then go home, stand on my head, and then try and figure out what I was going to do with my life. And so uh, one day I came home from work and this two liter bottle of salad dressing that my mom made for me was missing from my house. And you do not misplace a two liter bottle of salad dressing. (laughs) And so I started uh, calling my neighbors and I finally got to a guy that eats uh, fast food most of the time. And he was the last person that I called. And I said, Hey man, random question. Have you seen my salad dressing? And he replied, sure did. Woke up this morning, was jonesing for it, knew the code to your house, hopped on the scooter, cruised over, took it, went to Whole Foods, bought some spinach, and now I'm crushing a salad. And I just sat there in shock. And uh, I realized that if a man was going to steal another man's salad dressing, then I needed to bottle it. And so that was in February of 2009. Uh, I then started cold calling the local Annapolis Whole Foods. And uh, I I told them that I was a food manufacturer and that they needed to try this world famous salad dressing. (laughs) And so I, I finally got a meeting. We weren't a company. We had no packaging. Uh, And so I called my mom. I'm like, you're never going to believe this. I got a meeting with Whole Foods. I need you to make the greatest batch of salad dressing ever made. She's like, well, what are we going to put it in? I'm like, that doesn't matter. Don't worry about that now. Focus on the dressing. And so she makes the dressing. Uh, We put it in a little Tupperware container with romaine lettuce and the dressing on top. And I march into the local Annapolis Whole Foods like, you know, I'm the second coming. (laughs) And so the guy, the guy's like, all right, man, where's your packaging? And I'm like, listen, dude, you're busy. It's lunchtime. You know, I brought you a salad. (laughs) And so he looks at me like I'm on drugs, takes this piece of wet romaine lettuce out of this little Tupperware container, licks the dressing off, doesn't even eat the lettuce. And uh, looks at me and he goes, you have something really special here. You need to call the regional office. And so from February to 2009 to May 1st, 2009, I then Googled my way into becoming 
a food manufacturer uh, got into uh, the grand opening of the new Annapolis Whole Foods, and then we ended up setting a national sales record with Whole Foods. We sold 650 bottles out of that single store with one flavor uh, in a matter of five days. Wow. And so that began uh, what has now been almost an eight-year journey. Wow, <laughs> that is one heck of a story, and there are so many things I would love to jump into from that. But first off, I mean, just your audacity to, to storm into Whole Foods without any packaging. I mean, had you formed any semblance of a company at this point, or did you really just walk in with the bottle of dressing and say, hey, <laughs> this is it? No, I walked in with a Tupperware, and I said, this is it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. I mean, I love that. And I mean, what, where, where do you get that from? Because most people would never even think about trying to do something like that. But here you are, and hey, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. Where does that come from? Well, there's a couple things. One, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the oldest child, so you got to figure out stuff for, your, for yourself. And you, know, fail, you get used to failure. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Uh, playing sports, specifically lacrosse, in the hotbed when my dad was from Ohio and had never even heard of the sport, you know, I really had to fight for everything that I was ever going to get because I didn't get to play the political card ever. Um, and so with that just kind of being a, a backbone and a backdrop to the previous years of my life, then you just look at things and you say, okay, well, what are my goals? What are my dreams? What do I want out of my life? And then what's the worst that can happen? Is anyone going to die? Am I going to die? <laughs> and the answer was no. You know, the worst that was going to happen was this person was going to kick me out of the store <laughs> And then I was going to go right back to living the same life that I had always lived. Uh, and so when, when I put it, when I framed it out like that and I put it in perspective, I was like, I'm doing this no questions asked. You know, I'm swinging for the fences and I'm going to see how far I can take this thing. No, I, I love how you framed that. And then I just love that thought process there of what's the worst that can happen. I think today so many people, they automatically just just are too afraid to try things because they think their their failure is just going to be so catastrophic where that's not the case at all in the, in the grand scheme of things. So when you were first taking this jump, uh, did you still have your current job or was this a side hustle to start or did you just dive all in from the start? Yeah, it was a side hustle in the first year. Uh, we made it at a rib restaurant in Annapolis at night when they closed. And so a buddy of mine, Brian Toomey, owned... Adam's ribs in Eastport. And I convinced him to give me the keys uh, so that we could go in at 11 o'clock at night when they closed and make it uh, for however long we needed to make it. Essentially, the morning crew arrived at 6 a.m. So we had to be out by then. And so, uh, you know, I had a full-time job. Uh, we would make salad dressing from 11 o'clock till two in the morning. I would go home. I would sleep. Uh, at that time when we were making it, I would sleep from two until, you know, call it six. And then I would be in the office at a relatively normal time. Uh, and then I did that for a year. Uh, I realized that if we were going to make this work long term, I had to con my brothers into it. So I called my brother, Brian. Uh, my youngest brother, Matt, was still in college. So I called Brian. And I said, hey, here's the deal. 
People love this dressing. You know that. Uh, you're playing professional lacrosse. That gives you X amount of dollars, you know, per month. I'll pay you out of my own bank account the rest of it so you're made whole. Uh, I'll give you stock in the business. You'll be our general manager. And let's see if we can do this thing together. And so he goes, all right. And so, you know, he uh, qu quit his job that day. Uh, and then we uh, did that together for the next uh, six months. And then I quit my job full time. And um, then, it, you know, we had two employees. It was me and him. And my wife was doing all of our uh, kind of chief financial officer slash chief operating officer work. Uh, my mom was still helping us make it. We would con my brother Matt into leaving college and do demos for us on Saturdays and Sundays, regardless of how hungover he was. Oh, exactly how he wants to spend the weekend. Exactly. He's like, dude, I got a part. We're like, we don't care. You will be standing in the Mount Washington Whole Foods from 11 till 2 today. <laughs> oh, that is great. And so, yeah, that's, that's how that went down. I mean, this is just so great. You're talking about that 11 to 2 a.m. where you guys are just grinding away right now. And I think so many people hear about, hey, you guys are the fastest growing salad dressing company in the world but they don't hear about those early stages in the grinding. You have any, f a few more stories about the early stages and just the grinding mentality you guys had. So to this day, that is still just a single word that we use all the time. We'll just send each other text messages, grind in all caps. <laughs> and, and that is something that people aren't willing to do. And that is something that, I'll give my, my parents 100% of the credit for giving us the grind gene where we can just work harder and longer and faster than anybody. And so when you look at what we were doing, we were using part-time kitchen while we were in 68 Whole Foods. And so, you know, I'll go speak at MBA programs and people will come and I'll be on panels and all this stuff and like, hey, you know, I want to spend my money on starting a manufacturing facility. I'm like, well, how are your sales? And they're like, well, no, I'm going to start the manufacturing facility. Then I'm going to go get the sales. And I'm just like, listen, you can do that, but let's make sure that the world wants this stuff before you go out getting small business loans and everything else. And so we had you know, uh, storage units. We had like four or five storage units packed to the max. We had 18 wheelers dropping off raw materials at storage units. And then finally they would, the storage units would kick us out. They're like, listen, man, we can't be having commercial deliveries to this freaking storage unit off best Kate road. We're just like, listen, dude, you're cool. You don't even care about this job. Just let the 18 wheelers show up. And so uh, that was until we moved into our new manufacturing facility, that level of grind, not having loading docks. I mean, when we moved into this new facility and we got loading docks, I thought we, we had made it. You know, we were uh, we had at one point. We had a truck that we had rented. It was a Penske truck. And then we had a UPS truck both of which go butt to butt because we didn't have a loading dock. 
and we had the two trucks going butt to butt and we jumped the gap to get our uh, oil from one truck to the other. And that is then how we got the oil then down to the ground because we had one of those uh, mechanical lift gates. And so, you know, you've never seen a UPS truck driver laugh harder than when we took uh, this oil and we got in the back of this truck and sprinted and jumped the gap to another truck. Uh, he's, it, it probably, he probably still tells the story cause I still tell it. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> but that's just one of those things that like people overthink it. If you know that you're going to succeed and you also know that obstacles aren't going to stop you, it's very liberating. You know, that is, that is freedom. And so when you can look at every situation and just say, well, I'm going to get through it, no matter what, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to get through it. Uh, it changes your perspective on what's possible. So, I mean, you mentioned this grinding gene that you basically say your parents gave you, and then you just mentioned about failure and not having that fear. I mean, what specifically was it that they did and what experiences did you have to really give you that grinding gene and just having no fear? I think a lot of it had to do with just being um, in my family with my brothers and us being so positively competitive. And so it wasn't competitive in the sense where we wanted someone not to succeed. It was competitive in the sense that as long as a better won, we were cool with the outcome. And so when that's your mentality in every single thing that you do, whether it's thumb wrestling or uh, paper football or sprinting or playing any sport imaginable or wrestling, uh, all of that then just translates. Because if you have that competitive fire, then you are willing to win at almost all costs. And when that then becomes a mentality that you have day in and day out, that is the definition of grind. And so if you can apply that mentality into business or into anything, it doesn't have to be business, anything that you're trying to accomplish in your life, you then can accomplish whatever you want. And it's just this no excuses mentality. And so, you know, I missed the first two weeks of my second child's life because uh, we were making salad dressing for our largest purchase order ever. It took two weeks. I took one day off to essentially welcome him to the world. And then I worked nights making salad dressing for two weeks straight. And I met my son two weeks later. And so when people give me excuses, well, I'm not feeling so well. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, I missed the first two weeks of my son's life. How about that? And they're like, well, I guess my excuse isn't very good. I'm like, you're right. It's not. And so um, that mentality of just no excuses and grinding, uh, it's just been with me forever and it will continue to be with me. Oh, Greg, I just love that mentality. And having spent some time with you, I can attest to just how competitive you are and your competitive nature. It really is infectious. So I'm sure the working environment um, at Tessie Mays just must be unbelievable. So you mentioned some failures. And was there ever a moment where you guys just didn't think this was going to work and this was not going to be the success it is today? Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's factors outside of your control. 
Um, I don't think we ever committed to, to it being the end, but there have been multiple times where we were staring the end in the face and you just kind of sit down and you put your hands together and you pray and you just, you say, I hope this isn't the end. Uh, I want this journey to continue, uh, but I'm prepared for it regardless. And so, you know, they happen, I would say twice a year for sure. There's some massive situation that you just, you look around the room and you're just kind of like, this may be it. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, we have made it through all of those situations. I mean, how do you handle that when, when you're staring death in the face there? I mean, how do you rebound? How, say, upper management, if they're aware of the scenario, how do you motivate and rally them as well? It depends. I mean, sometimes it's just a feeling that you're like, everything's going to be okay. Uh, other times, you, you just take as much action as you can possibly take, and you try and plant as many seeds as you can possibly plant so that something harvests in your favor. Uh, you know, I don't have the answer for it because, you know, if I had the answer for it, then I would most likely know how to prevent it from happening. Sometimes there's just factors outside of your control and, um, they put you in situations that you don't want to be in. But I think if you stay positive as much as you can stay and you stay focused, um, things will work out. They don't always work out, but things will work out. Have you learned to kind of cherish those moments now that you look back because they helped you and the company both grow? Or do you just sit back and say, wow, that moment sucked. Thank God that's over. Honestly, uh, it's really bizarre. I mean, as the journey continues and we continue to grow and evolve, um, I actually do value those moments more and more and more each time because you come out the other side a very different person. And you have a greater sense of gratitude and appreciation for the moments that aren't that difficult. And so at each day that passes, each year that passes, uh, you become more and more humble and you become more and more uh, aware of how magnificent the, the actual journey is and where the value in all of it uh, lies. And the value in all of it, there is no ending. And you hear this all the time, you know, it's like, uh, it's not, you know, running for shelter in the rain, it's learning how to dance in the rain or whatever rain quote that thing is. Um, but it's just the appreciation of everything that I have learned on this entire journey, because I'm a much different person today than I was eight years ago when I started it. So you mentioned the journey and learning how to appreciate that. I want to go back to your athletic background when you were playing college lacrosse and professional lacrosse. Did you appreciate your journey, the time with the team in the weight room, the practices, or was it more about winning that game? Uh, looking back on it, I always loved practice and I loved the weight room. Um, obviously, you, you love winning. Uh, that's why you do it. You do it for the games. but. I just remember this very distinct moment of walking to practice on a, on a spring day and the sun was shining and it was like bright blue skies and birds are chirping 
and you're about to go just get it in from a practice perspective. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And I, you know, at that time I was freaking 19. So I hadn't experienced shit. Uh, but, but it was always, you know, just kind of this removal of the situation and an awareness and appreciation for the grind, you know, because that is what gets you to the place that you want to be. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, having the sports background as well. I mean, I loved the journey and all the hours that went into that, the time with the teammates. And I think so many people today, whether it be in business or sports, they look at that end goal and see Tom Brady holding up a Super Bowl trophy and saying, wow, like that moment. But I mean, if you look back, it's about that journey and all those times put in. So talking about your journey, when did you guys know what you had was a success? You mentioned when your, uh, your neighbor stole the dressing, but what about a little bit further down the road? When was this a success and you guys knew it? Um, I still don't think we're a success. I think we're, I think we're on to something, uh, you know, in life, I think there's, there's only two avenues that you can take. It's either fuck yes, or it's no. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I think, I think people too often, they live in this middle ground where, uh, maybe it, it's okay, or it's good. It's kind it's almost yes. And so, you know, after that first demo of the grand opening uh, in the first five days and realizing that we had set a national sales record for something as stupid as salad dressing, selling 650 bottles in five days, and you ask yourself, was that a fuck yes moment or was that a no? And there it was. It was that was fuck yes. Now we need to move forward with that kind of being our fuel uh, for the future. And we've always looked at everything that we've done through that lens. It's one or the other. And if it's ever uh, in the middle there of like, eh, this is kind of working, we stop doing it. And whether that's with people, whether that is with new products, you know, we're always top grading. We're always looking for uh, the next great thing. And that has kept us uh, relevant and it's kept us growing. And so when you say, okay, when do we know it was a success? I don't, I still don't think we are a success. Um, but I can tell you that the answer uh, at every, at every milestone of our journey, it's always been, there has been a fuck yes moment. And then we've moved on to the next stage. Now, now this is the goal of this entire conversation and, and getting people to see your mindset where almost 99% of the people who who know who you are and what you guys have accomplished would say, wow, they are a success. But here you are, you've got such bigger expectations and what you demand out of yourself and your employees. I love hearing that, 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 that whole mentality is just awesome. Uh, I mean, so you mentioned about certain struggles you've gone through. You guys have had some success from an outsider's perspective. But one thing I really want to know about is you often hear, don't go into business with your family. What do you have to say to that? I think that those are that is uh, family businesses paying people and uh, creating propaganda so more people don't get into business with their family uh, because you will be outrageously successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get to be in three places at once, and so when you look at the core breakdown of our business right? I'm the CEO. And so I'm in charge of our vision. 
My brother, Brian, is our chief operating officer, so he's in charge of tactical execution. Uh, my brother, Matt, is our chief processing technologist, so he's in charge of all of manufacturing. So he's actually making all of the product. And when you look at the level of effort that each one of those jobs takes, uh, it's insane. And so to think that I get to have full trust in uh, those three areas, which are critical, critical components to our success, it's, it, it's priceless. You cannot put a price on having, uh, for me, I'm lucky enough to have brothers that work as hard as I work, uh, are as smart as I am. Now, like you said in the beginning, they're not as strong or handsome, but you know, they're, they're very, very, very close. I mean, I think it just depends on your type. But I would say, you know, we did do a national survey, uh, and I came up the victor. So it is what it is. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. <laughs> so, so <laughs> sorry, this is just too funny right now. I'm just cracking up thinking how Brian and Matt are going to react to this. But I, knowing you, how you've been in their ear about things like this for years, I'm sure they're just going to they're going to laugh at it. So what about a young entrepreneur looking to start a business? Any advice you have for them, things that you would have done differently, uh, things that you missed out on you wish you had done? I would say listen to the omens because I think so many young people want to do things that are sexy. They want to invent the next app because they think they should be an app. They want to be in finance because, you know, they, they think they should be in finance. They want to be lawyers because they think they should be lawyers. Uh, but the universe may be speaking to you and trying to give you the answers, and you're just not listening. And for me, starting a salad dressing company in a recession with my family, none of that makes any sense, right? Nobody in their right mind starts a refrigerated salad dressing company in a recession, nobody. And so when you're going out and you want to start something or you want to be a part of something, actually figure out what motivates you and what drives you. Um, and then also just kind of put your ear to the ground and wait for the signs because they're there. And I, you know, to this day, uh, when you say, hey, man, you know, have, have you stared death in the face? The reason I know that we're going to make it through is because something positive always happens because I'm aware of it and I'm looking for it. And if I don't see anything positive happening, I know that it's going to be the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, for the, for the young person out there that's trying to get it, do what you're supposed to do, not what you are expected to do. Uh, and every single person has the answer. Uh, they're just not willing to listen to it. Very well said. And just listening, you, you see young people doing less and less of that these days. And I think it is so important uh, that they do implement listening more. And I, I hope they pull that out of this conversation. So you mentioned about passion and, and doing things that you're motivated towards. What are you most passionate about in your life right now? What's really driving you? So, I mean, right now I have four children under the age of six. And so they give me perspective. Uh, they ground me and then they give me hope for the future. Um, you know, so overall family, uh, 
I have a wife. My brothers all have wives. They all have kids. My parents live uh, close by. And then my work family, you know, we're all together every single day, all working to the same same goals. And so I have a lot of passion for the people that are in my life because I get to choose who's in my life. Uh, and so the people that are in there, I'm going to give them every ounce of, of what I have. So that's a big component. My health is always, always, always a major, major component of my life. Uh, a healthy mind cannot live in an unhealthy body. And so, you know, I work out like I'm training for something and I'm not, I'm just training um, so that I can continue to get better every single day. And then the other aspect of it is obviously uh, our business, Tessie Mays. I mean, everything that we're doing, I absolutely love. And if I didn't love it, we wouldn't be doing it. And so, you know, if you divide my life up into three buckets, those are them. And they get uh, 100% of everything that I am. We've heard so much about the mental side of things and the family side of things. And you hit on there, you train like you're training for something. So what is your physical fitness routine like? How do you stay healthy? So it depends. I like to change it up. Uh, probably every two months I, I get bored with what I'm doing and I'll start something new. So the weather's starting to break on the East Coast. So um, I whipped my road bike back out this past weekend. Uh, my brother Brian turned 32. And so we did a 32 mile bike ride for his 32nd birthday. Um, I lift uh, probably three days a week, uh, sometimes a little less, depending on what else I'm doing. Uh, I play indoor soccer twice a week. Uh, I just pick squash back up. I love the one-on-one -on -one competitive fire in a, in a squash court. It sounds funny to say, uh, but it is just, it's a freaking battle. Uh, I love trail running. Um, when it gets real nice out, I'll start swimming in the river again. Uh, I live on the Severn river in Annapolis. And so I love nothing more than just jumping in the water and going for, you know, a long swim until you can't uh, feel your arms anymore. And so it's just a part of my life. So every, I'm going to work out for at least an hour every single day. And it's just, it gives me clarity. It makes me happy. Uh, the endorphins are pumping. And so it's just a big part of everything that I do. I love the variety in that. And then what you mentioned that the variety, the clarity, I think so many people today, they, they think they don't have time for the health aspect of things and it opens up their mental space so much. So I hope some listeners take that away and really implement a routine like that into their daily life. Anybody that says they don't have time for uh, fitness is lying to themselves. Flat out, they're lying to themselves. Yeah. I mean, you're a father of four, you're running this business and you're getting up at 345. There's no excuses. I love that. So you seem like someone who's just constantly learning. Um, who are you learning from today and what are they teaching you? I read a lot. Um, I listen a lot. I observe. I like uh, I'm always looking, I'm always looking to learn. And so I love documentaries. Uh, I'm always looking for the next great book. I listen to uh, audiobooks on my commute. Um, you know, I listen to my kids. They have some of the greatest questions known to man. <laughs> you know, my son asked me the other day, 
you know, who gave Santa Claus his presence when he was a kid. I was at a loss. My mind is blown right now trying to comprehend that one. <laughs> I was like, dude, you just tore a hole in the universe. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what's going to happen. Um, and so, uh, God gave you two ears and one mouth. And I know I've been talking a lot on this, uh, interview, but I'm always just trying to, to listen and I'm trying to learn and I'm reading and, um, you know, I'm a member of a couple executive groups. I have an executive coach that I bounce ideas off of. Uh, and then I just have a group of people that I call and just talk to. And, and I'm always looking to potentially have a paradigm shifting learning experience. With all this learning, what's an idea you've had that's changed over the past year? The past year? Um, actually, I have a great one. So picked up intermittent fasting. And so the idea of breakfast in my life has completely changed. Um, we, we live this life of, you know, you wake up and you eat. Right before you work out, you eat. You, you have to eat before you do anything. And I've had a completely different experience this past year. Uh, you know, I am more alert. I'm healthier. Um, you know, I have less body fat. I'm stronger. I haven't gotten sick in forever. Uh, and so this whole perspective and, and this lifetime of when you should eat, how much you should eat and what you should eat has all changed in the past year for me. I mean, there are so many rabbit holes we could go down. So I hope at some point we can get a, a round two in because I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but what's one thing, if you could have my listeners implement into their lives, what would that be? Prepare the night before. Everything, I'm able to do what I'm able to do in a day because I prep everything the night before. My gym bag is picked out. My clothes for the next day are picked out. My food is prepped. Uh, my coffee is made. And so when I wake up, I can just go. If you implement preparation, the night before that you can attack every single day and give it 100% of your effort, your life will change. That's such a great tip there. And, and one I've implemented and there have been considerable differences in my life based on that alone. Uh, but Greg, this has been unbelievable. Uh, I've had a great time having this conversation. I've learned a ton from it. I know my listeners have, uh, but how can they stay connected with you and all things Tessie Mays? You know, go to a grocery store near you and uh, buy some Tessie Mays dressings or condiments. If you're ever uh, in the manufacturing uh, district of Essex, Maryland, you can swing by and check out our manufacturing facility. Uh, and, and that's us. We're in the produce section frickin' hustling. Oh, that's great. And we'll have the website and everything linked up in the show notes. But please go out there to the grocery stores, pick up some Tessie Mays. I can attest to it. It is unbelievable. Uh, my wife was actually having a salad with your balsamic on it today. So, Greg, this has been a blast. I can't thank you enough. And hopefully we can get a round two in at some point. Looking forward to it. Great. Thanks what so much. There with Shonda Laney. Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there? What got you, got you. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. 
Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.